And welcome to a tale of two rivals, a fantasy football podcast where one rival is a wannabe satiner and the other is a trash-talking, go-with-your-gut type of fantasy player. Our goal of this podcast is to find some kind of consensus between our two different takes to have a, to have a nice streamed fantasy analysis. We're excited to be back with you after our national pilot last week. I am Todd FF Banterman Foster. Your old school block out the noise. All I do is win host. Join by Dave FF underscore Spaceman Right, and I'm your wannabe stat nerd slash spreadsheet grinding fancy football manager. Dave, episode two. I'm excited. How you feeling, buddy? I'm feeling great. Uh, I've really enjoyed the feedback we've gotten this week. Um, I was blown away, man. Like, I couldn't believe, like, like I'm like, nobody knows who we are. We got some major people uh, shooting us out. And I, I actually thought the training camp episode went great. Yeah, we were, I, we were, as soon as we signed off, we were both shocked that it was under an hour, or it was exactly an hour long. We were, because we always go long. So we were really excited about we that. We have never hit our targets, ever. <laughs> and then we were, behind the scenes, there was a lot of stress about doing it. So, there, you know, some of us didn't think we were going to. And then it was just, it was awesome that it all came together. So I was really excited. I was too. I was very, very, very excited. All right, enough with the agreeing. Let's come on. Let's go. Let's get to the debate. Let's go. Come on. Well, here's here's my big thing, Dave. Is though from 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 the training camp episode, Danta Foreman was cut. That guy was skyrocketing with ADP out of OTAs. Ignore the hype, people. Ignore the hype. Injury analysis tends to be always very positive in OTAs and training camp. Um, you know, he's the best. You know, he was getting it. He was posting workout videos. He was going to really hit it hard this year. And then what are we hearing now? Not a great work ethic. So what, yeah. what's going on? But Dave, you were also freaking out over the news of uh, Nikhil Harry dropping multiple passes. Erroneous. Erroneous. I was more just saying, stop the trolling, fellow, you know, to your brother. I was telling him, you guys, I think you guys, where were you guys last week? Weren't you at um, training camp? We went, my brother's a season ticket holder for the Patriots, and we went to the season ticket holder's practice, where it's like you literally watch him do like drills and like stretches, like, you know, like a typical training camp. And um, yeah, I, I'm in love with Dan Skipper. 6'9, 325. You know, big tackle out of Arkansas. Never heard of the guy. He was like a monster. I'm like, oh, that's our new tackle. <laughs> but, uh, no, it was a fun event. I got to see Ronnie Harrison inducted into the Patriots Hall of Fame, which was very cool. Oh, I loved him as a Patriot. John Hanna. as a Patriot. John Hanna gave a really cool speech about Leon Gray, which was very cool, too. So, yeah, it was a good day to be a Pats fan that day. But, um, yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. And um, but you know what, Dave? Before we really get into anything, like there's got to be a few people we got to thank. And oh. I, I think I think you want to get through that, buddy. Yeah, I mean, I have a, I was real. You know, I don't want to get too sappy or anything, but I I have a lot of respect for a lot of people in the fantasy football community, and I know that you're kind of newer to f- the fantasy Twitter, Todd. And just I, I, you were telling me off air about how you know how awesome the community been, how much you love oh. fantasy football Twitter. Dude, I'm addicted. It's so <laughs> much fun. Like, I, I just avoided Twitter forever. It was just something about the actual physical layout that bothered me. But now that I've been doing it for about a week, I'm like, yep, I, th- I'm a lifer now. <laughs> so, you know, one of the people has been Peter Howard at PA Howdy, um, Mr. Cumberbatch himself. Um, you know, Peter, he's uh, the host or co-host of Dynasty Crossroads with Jake Anderson. And Peter's been doing a lot of solo episodes as Jake has been, uh, you know, had a baby and it's been moving. So 
Peter has shouted, shouted us multiple times um, in the last couple episodes. He gives a shout out on his podcast, which is an amazing podcast. If you, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you you should be deaf. You probably already listened to that podcast. So, but I just wanted to say, you know, and then behind the scenes, you know, Peter on his Twitch feed and you know through DMs, he's always always willing to answer questions. He's just a really great guy. Um, and also, yeah, he he was like the first person to welcome me into this community. He's a great guy. So, and then also another guy, uh, Zach Reed. He's a co-host for the Dynasty Dummies with uh, Kyle. Um, Kyle Lebrecht and um, the Dynasty Dummies. I just love their podcast. Anyway, so they do a lot of great um, songs. They have great analysis, um, you know. And they gave us a shout out on their podcast, which was awesome. And they've just done a couple of tweets that you know. So it's been really cool. And then also Tyler Gee, who um, who started his own podcast too. He's been awesome. Um, I've just really been. It's been a lot of fun. I hope to just keep interacting with these people on Twitter. Um, hopefully, eventually, we maybe uh, have them as a guest because. You know, I not only are they really cool guys, but they have great fantasy insights too. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to doing that, and I like, you know, I'm looking at some ideas of doing some kind of like some mocks and stuff like that with some people, which I think would be really fun. But um, yeah, no, it, this community has been all welcoming and just so great. It's it's so much fun. My God, is it better than the Facebook crap that you see, man? It is so much better. It's like where the real fans are. I love it. Um, but yeah, so anyways, I think we got to get going with our content tonight. Yes. So I think, so I think if you've known Dave long enough or you listen to last week's or you follow his Twitter, Dave is a nerd. Dave is a huge nerd. Um, he's an aspiring winner, but definitely a nerd. Um, from a champion, I know that maybe someday he'll get there, but I don't know. He's in a lot of weeks with me, so that's tough. So, but Dave really believes that advanced analytics is an important thing in fantasy. So he wants to talk about stat of the week. And the great thing about this is I'm going to temper my my thoughts at times because I'm an old school guy. I think a lot of overdoing numbers complicates things. But Dave's going to try to make me a believer. So, Dave, what is your goal for this segment, stat of the week? So the segment, first off, Todd, we're cooler than just stat of the week. It's what's my stat? Okay, so let's get a little oh some yeah. flavor behind that is you know oh I okay excuse me <laughs> what's your goal for what's my stat oh good what a what a podcast voice that is Todd uh, all right um, thank you so it's gonna be a quick five minute segment we're gonna do every week it's gonna be designed around exploring important slash um, current stats that I might be hearing on podcasts or in articles or you know or metrics and. Um, and basically, what we're going to do is we're going to just talk about what they are, their significance, and how to use them in, for fantasy football. All right. So, um, for me, like, why should I care about these type of stats? Like, like, wh- like, why, like, why do these matter? Okay. So, w- the idea is that too is you know we're not always going to just introduce like stats that are really important. We're also going to maybe talk about stats that just don't matter. Just kind of like in training camp, we ah, talked about there was stuff that right, we right. heard. You know, there, what was what's fact, what's crap. Um, there's going to be some of that involved in these segments. But also, too, just the idea is to give, um, you know, people some tools for when they're watching games, listening to podcasts, being with their friends or reading articles. Um, just, you know, how to become a better fantasy player and, and, and you know, uh, increase their ability, you know, in, increase their enjoyment um, in, di- you know, digesting fantasy stats and stuff like that. All right, Dave. So what's this week's uh, stat? So this week's stat, um, well, it's so one thing too is some of the stats are going to be advanced. Um, some of the stats are going to be more, you know, more just really basic, 
you know, bread and butter fantasy football stats. Um, you know, part of that is, is, you know, I know maybe some people are going to be more advanced um, fantasy players that might be listening to this podcast. Well, this is good for them to, you know, when they're getting really far down that rabbit hole. Um, sometimes it's good to zoom out and take a look at the big picture, what's really important instead of what that little niche they've been in. While it's also you got, you know, the fans too who are more casual who might be listening like Jay Powell from our league who just draft Saints players because this New Orleans Saints uh, homer. So a little balance for, you know, some more advanced and... He's won more titles than you. <laughs> well, you know, you're drafting Drew Brees and Michael Thomas. Isn't that, you know, of course you're going to win. And Alvin yeah. Kamara. So, but anyway, so. Players from good teams wins championships. Oh, yeah. Well, if he was a fan of the Cardinals, it wouldn't happen. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Get on. All right. right. All right. I'll get on with it. Um, this, this week's stat, we're just real bread and butter, um, is targets. And targets are whenever a pass is thrown and intended for a specific receiver, that counts as a target. Yeah, it, it's, it's, I mean, this is even a stat that I look at. Like, personally, it's easy. Targets equals opportunity. That's all, you know? And, like, I'm not a believer in going beyond that. You know, if I see a guy who's getting a lot of targets, that's showing me that's a QB looking to find that guy. Um, yeah, and then also in teams that have high-profile passing offense, if you're getting a lot of targets, that means that getting a lot of opportunity to be scoring, too. So, yeah, targets is a big one for me. So, I like how you start off by saying that you think it's an opportunity-based stat. And, I mean, opportunity is king right now in fantasy football analysis. Everyone's trying to figure out who has the opportunity, and that's how you're going to score fantasy football points. I'm not going to try to be contrarian here because there's a lot of smart people out there who, who think that actually targets are a skill-based stat, not necessarily an opportunity-based stat. J.J. Zacharyson from the Late Round Podcast is a, um, and Josh Hermsmeyer, uh, Peter Howard, we've already talked about, they like to think that targets are a skill-based stat. And the reason why I think that they're, I agree with them, and I also think it's a skill-based stat, is that, um, you know, there's a lot that goes into earning a target, in my opinion. It's not, you don't just show up, you know, you don't just show up to the Pittsburgh offense after Antonio Brown leaves and Dante Moncrief is not going to get two, the 180 targets or however many targets Antonio Brown had last year. That's not how it works. Antonio Brown last year, because of his skill, earned those targets. Um, Peter Howard's done a lot of work on vacated target theories and stuff like that. That was just a quick analysis of, in my opinion, you know, those tar- after year to year, those targets are lost. You know, as far as the offense is concerned, they have to be earned again by the skilled players. So... Getting back to what I want to talk about is, so what actually goes into earning a target, in my opinion, is that um, first, the receiver needs to run the route um, in the manner that the play was specified by the coach and the offense offensive game plan. So that's the first part of that goes into earning a target. Number two, the player has to, um, they don't, just because they run the route doesn't mean that they get the target. They have to, you know, they have to... Um, get the ball thrown their way, and they do that through um, gaining separation, uh, getting the defensive player out of position, find the soft spot in the zone, or just getting going up and get, uh, getting over a defender and catching the ball. Yeah, that's what I said. The QB <clears throat> trusts you. Yeah, well, and and that trust is earned, in my opinion. It's not given. You know what I'm trying yes, to say? Yes, you earn trust in any walk of the word trust, yeah. yeah but, you earn trust in any way. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, for example, Braxton Berrios isn't just because he's a white slot receiver isn't going to become Ness Wex Welker um, in the Patriots offense, and that's what some people think. That's what some people think that James Washington he's going to get a, 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 or Dante Moncrief they're going to get a huge chunk of those targets 
in the Pittsburgh offense. I'm like, in my opinion, I don't necessarily see that as happening. Uh, I'm Drew, just saying, Barry also looked great against no defense. <laughs> great against no defense. And so that's why I'm trying to say it's earned. And then, so not only do you have to get open or, you know, you know, get the ball thrown your way, but you actually have to go and then actually catch the ball, you know, in traffic, you know, make the toe, you know, get those feet down. And then after you catch the ball, you need to create yak uh, and, you know, advance the ball towards the end zone. So those are four main aspects of why I think targets is skill-based. It's not just, you know, how many times have we said, you know, oh, got new players coming to the offense. There's so many targets for them to have. And then they let us down every year. You know, same thing with, I, I want to give an example of this really quickly. Do you remember the Devontae Parker, Jarvis Landry debates back in the day, Todd? Yes, I do. Devontae Parker, this, you know, oh, you know, he's got more skill than Jarvis Landry. He's going to get more targets this uh, in year two compared to what they did the year before when Jarvis Landry had all those short and mirror targets. Like, oh, those short targets that Landry was getting, those were just easy, cheap targets, you know, dump-offs. But year after year, Jarvis Landry out was out getting, um, he was getting targeted more than Devontae Parker because, in my opinion, he's a better player. Um so exactly and so that's the thing is like i actually look at jarvis landry with with obj and everyone's saying oh, obj is there jarvis landry's targets are going to go down jarvis landry plays a different type of player like jarvis landry is essentially okay this is going to pain me to say jarvis landry is probably better than julian edelman you know he just happens out to be on the patriots you know and jarvis landry just literally just keeps finding ways to get open the guy's got hands like glue man if you so look, like if you look at their depth of targets they're actually they play different positions the real question would be west welker versus jarvis landry in my opinion well no i personally think that if you put jarvis landry in a system that would that he would be playing in edelman's role like he'd be perfect for that okay. and you probably possibly well the other thing too with edelman is like the Edelman is a complete package just like beyond the passing game but let's not digress into that yeah we've really but, digressed already in this stat yeah. of the week but the, but the guy that always comes up with targets, and for some reason, people will continuously drop him down in rankings, is Julio Jones, man. Julio Jones just gets fed the football. I, I mean, in my opinion, he's a top three. He's I think he's the one, what, number one or two best wide receiver in this league. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. In fantasy, I think he's the second best wide receiver in actual football terms. Number three right now in uh, fantasy, because I think Devontae Adams which is the red zone targets he gets, and just having Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback is the only reason I gave him a slight edge over Julio. But if I had either of those guys, I'm just thrilled, which I had both those guys in Dynasty. But um, my whole thing is that, like, that's a guy where you keep seeing getting, like, thrown down the list. And I'm like, do people just see this guy just getting fed the football, like, all the time? I don't understand it. So, yeah, so targets to me is, it, it's important. Like, if a guy's getting separation and getting the ball thrown to him, that that's just an opportunity to score points. Like, why... that? You're just trying to get the ball in the guy's hands. Yeah. And so what actually makes that important as far as a stats concern, Todd, is that we've t- I, I know we could probably argue opportunity versus skill all we want. But what's more important, in my opinion, is that what makes targets so awesome is that they are stable from year to year. A guy mm-hmm. who um, there we, we've talked about R squared in previous shows. But basically, R squared is how much um, two variables correlate to one, each other, one another. So targets in 2018, as far as football stats are concerned, has an extremely high correlation to targets in 2019 in the, in the, in the next year. And that happens year after year that they are very stable, which doesn't happen in a lot of football stats. And, expect, and so then also not only is it stable from year to year, 
but is also very um, is correlated highly to important fantasy stats like um, like receiving yards, touchdowns, and fantasy points. Targets have are, are extremely correlated to that. Tar- when you have more targets, you score more of those points, and it's basically honestly it's probably the best. Um, stat we have for wide receivers out there. There's a couple other we might get to in further episodes as we digress down this. I, I envision a little, a whole target, like a five episode kind of target rabbit hole um, conversation. And, <laughs> um, but in my opinion, targets, you know, it doesn't get better than targets from, in my nope. opinion. Nope. Nope. And it so does not. When people talk about, you know, when you read, when you, so why, you know, we hear it all the time. And I just wanted to remind people why they're important, but also, when we hear analysis about, oh, you know, last year, so-and-so, he got so much separation, um, you know, and, you know, across, you know, when he was actually in the game, he got all kinds of separation between him and the defender. Well, I'm sorry. Separation is not sticky from year to year. And it actually, separation doesn't even necessarily mean you're getting a target. So why do we even care about it? But targets, they actually matter. And that's why we should care about it. So... 100% agree, and I think you're buttering me up for more future geeky stats. (laughs) All right. All right. There we go. So, all right, Dave. I'm going to get to the bread and butter of tonight. All All right? right. So, last week was more of like an evergreen kind of thing where we're talking about the philosophy of how to take training camp news. Today, we're talking about players. We're breaking down camp battles. All right? Position battles. So, what do we mean by camp battles? All right? So, essentially... It's two players fighting over a starting role on the respective teams. Now, with me, I would like to talk about, is there such a thing as a starting role when you have a running back by committee style, right? Because I kind of feel like with the shared backfields, and there's a there's when we get to Chicago backfield, I think that's a great example where we'll get into, is that I kind of feel like these battles aren't necessarily as important as they used to be given the fact that people are using multiple running backs in different kind of facets of their offense, you know? And I do think that battles matter more for wide receivers, but they mean a lot for tight ends. Okay. Because if you're looking to stream and you're looking to get a guy, like if you're like trying to like punt the tight end late and you're just trying to find a guy that earned that spot, had a high upside, seeing a guy who's earning that tight end spot could be a really nice find late in grounds. And so, Dave, what are your thoughts on camp battles? So, I... Uh... <laughs> A lot of the times, I think there's a lot of good arguments to be had um, on both sides. Uh, usually, I have I do have my favorites, but um, and it depends on position battles. Sometimes the running backs, I tend to just take the cheaper option. You know, the whole Patriots backfield philosophy. I know there's been a very popular analysis over the years of just take whoever's cheapest in the Patriots backfield, um, and then you know halfway through the season after injuries and attrition, you've got a running back too. Same thing. People have done that, um, and you know, with Tevin Coleman and Devontae Freeman way back when. Uh, people ha- were taking yep. Tevin Coleman was actually being drafted ahead of Devontae Freeman um, before Devontae Freeman broke out. Well, take Devontae Freeman; he's cheaper, and they did, and that paid dividends for them. So, right. So, chain camp battles. It depends on what we're talking about. But wide receivers, I will tend to rely more on who I think is actually better and who will end up earning those opportunities. Whereas, I think running back sometimes it's um, it's more of a given to them compared to earned, but anyway. Right, and and I believe also when you're looking at like those camp battles and you look at committees, when you're even talking about teams that are like three good running backs deep, are all those guys draftable? And I think what we're going to try to do is like we're 
we're dynasty based. Like we like to focus things in dynasty, but we'll try our best to pull it back into some redraft conversations. But we do focus mostly on dynasty. So, anyways, so let's get to our first battle, Dave. All right. All right. First up is Carson versus Penny Todd. What do you What are your feelings right here? You know, what are you leaning? All right. So let's also open this up by saying that these guys are both viable. F- fantasy options because you're looking at the number one rushing offense in football all right this is like the um the team that's like trying to keep it old school i guess you know so i believe that the better choice between these two is chris carson now do i think chris carson's going to be the lead back in that backfield yes but why do i pick him when i think that you can get penny cheaper because I don't really think Penny really showed enough to be earning the hype that he's having now. And he's getting the... <laughs> I love that you talked about Pete Carroll last week about coaches' praise. My God, he's even just saying ridiculous things about Penny over and over and over again. But for me, it's not the fact that I hate Penny. It's the fact that this Penny's hype actually driving Carson's ADP down. And Carson was like sitting... like He was on the edge of an RB1 in some weeks. You know, he's a, he was a high-end RB, too, in the number one rushing offense in football, you know? Mm-hmm. So, to me, it's kind of like, I'm going to take this guy who, for some reason, people are not trusting. And if you look at reports, at Tim, people are saying that Carson's still holding out Penny. So, yes, Penny's cheaper, but I think the better value pick right there is Carson, okay. you know? And so, what's your take, Dave? Who are you liking? So, I'm going to do – so, I'm glad that we have – I. I'm glad that we have some disagreement here. I think I'm leaning Penny, but I want to, you know, go through my process a little bit here. Going back to, I think, RB is an opportunity-driven position. Brilliant. Um, you know, I don't think... So I think, looking at last year, the the opportunity was given to Chris Carson. He saw the majority of the workload. He um, That being said, he was more of a grinder, in my opinion, with um, uh, Mike Davis. Oh, Mike Davis was the guy there last year. He's now in Chicago, right? Is that his name? Yes, Mike, Mike Davis was there. Yeah, Mike Davis. He was kind of had a lot, saw a lot more targets. Um, so, but Penny's job was he was basically just you know a plotter and a goal line back. Um, you know, mind you, I wouldn't say plotter is bad. He was a grinder. He didn't receive yep. a lot of targets, um, and he didn't really have any big plays. He was 29th in the league in breakaway run rate. I, sometimes I like my wide receivers who can break it big and get me big chunks of points quickly. And then, and then the last thing I think I have to say about Carson is really. Um, he was beat out as a freshman at Oklahoma State by, or actually, he was beat out by freshman Justice Hill when Justice Hill was a freshman at Oklahoma State and Penny was the incumbent. So, ugh. okay, whoa, whoa, whoa! You went back to college, Oklahoma State. I'm just saying it's a, in in my opinion, it's a, it's a. I think sometimes I would think that in college, if you have a guy like Carson, who's an NFL level talent, obviously, but then he gets beat out by a, a true freshman in Justice Hill. I think that says something about his overall talent. Okay, so let's talk about a guy that might have been a sixth round draft pick in like Antonio Brown. Now this who, is purely Todd. I don't even. I don't. That's apples and oranges in my opinion. This is purely no, how my talk. That's fair. That's fair. But I'm I'm just trying to say like going back to college to, to argue that like yeah. I can understand, like, the overall talent level when he was there. But players change. Players improve. You know what I mean? Like, to me, Chris Carson did everything he possibly could to prove that he's a reliable RB2. Now, in my opinion, what I'm also saying is this is best if you're doing a win now or in a redraft or in a keeper league. In a dynasty, yes, I'll go with Penny. 
But I also think in Dynasty, Chris Car- Carson's price tag is much lower than Penny's, yeah, which is especially depending crazy. on what kind of league. If you're you know playing a lot more you know uh, stat nerds, you're probably going to get a better price for Carson than you are for Penny. Absolutely, that's why I'm saying like even though like Carson's ADP might be higher in a lot of um, in a lot of redrafts, and actually Dynasty Penny's is so to me it's kind of like Penny's been given this torch with. A whole bunch of hype before he's really proven anything, and Carson proved it last year. So, now, do I think that's sustainable? No, but I think that the value is significant there. And either way, like I'm happy having either of those guys at a solid value. Personally. So you cut me off. That was all the negative things I had to say about. It. I actually had a lot of positive things to say about Chris Carson. Well, um, I'm sorry. You started talking about breakout I, age. I, and I, no, 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 breakout age. I did not say break. I would never do uh, breakout age. Whatever. It was Justin Hill. Blah, blah, blah. He's a freshman. Yeah, I'm just saying. Living in the past. Getting beat out by a freshman is, is a big deal. My, but then your the real kind of argument was, well, Dave, the uh, seventh round pick actually beat out the first round pick in uh, Seattle. Who, that's the real uh, kind of argument. God, who he, has a better BMI, Chris, Dave? Chris Carson <laughs> has a. Uh, I mean, Rashard Penny has a better BMI. He's 60th percentile can is th- compared to 36th percentile, but that doesn't that matter. Ch- that changes everything. Why do I have that off the top of my head? I do not know. But <laughs> that's ridiculous. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. Um, All but, right. So, but the positive things about Carson is yes, he beat out a first round draft pick. He also is really uh, elusive. Josh Hermsmeyer has done a lot of work or some work on breaking or. Breaking tackles uh, and the elusiveness for a running back and how, what, how that correlates from year to year is actually pretty stable as far as running back stats are concerned. Because um, there's not much that correlates year to year for um, running backs. Yards per carry is very flu- is, is basically no correlation from year to year. But actually, breaking tackles seems to be a stat that we can cue in on and say that actually shows how good a running back is. Chris Carson had 93 evaded tackles last year, according to playerprofiler.com, and a juke rate of 34.8%. And juke rate is basically per snap, how many you know, how many times does he uh, break a tackle or evade a tackle? That was sixth in the league last year. He was actually really good at breaking tackles, and that shows us some natural skill ability. He was seventh in the league in red zone touches and was fifth in the league in goal line carries. He was the goal line back last year. Penny had zero goal line work last year you think it's going to change drastically that Carson's not going to continue to be the 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 um the goal line back I I don't know I I would tend to lean that why not just stay with, why wouldn't they no, stay with Carson no it's not they're going to stick with Carson that, I, that's what I would tend to think but then flipping back over to Penny um and just quickly um you know Penny also had some of the same problems that Carson did he didn't really see a lot of targets less than a target per game he was not the goal back, what I said. He had, but Penny, on the positive side, Penny did have a good juke rate. Not as good as Chris Carson, but a good juke rate. Penny has a far superior athletic profile and a better draft capital. And Penny has a, a much better breakaway run rate. It was actually sixth in the league in breakaway runs. So, And Penny came on towards the end of last year. So I can see arguments for both sides. Uh, in Dynasty, I think I I think I'd le- tend to lean the cheaper pick at this point, um, and take Car- or the more the better value in Carson and trade away Penny if I, and then vice versa in redraft. I think I'll take. Actually, I'd probably stay away from that decision at that point. Um, but if I had to, I'd probably end up taking Carson, even though in the the, S- uh, the Scott Fishbowl I did take Penny. But yeah, well, in, in my opinion, when you get Chris Carson, and I I like Chris Carson across all formats. Okay, and. I do think that having Penny in Dynasty long term, it might be better, you know, just due to the fact of like draft capital and all that, you know. But I, I'm 
I'm thrilled with having Chris Carson yeah. anywhere I can get him because where his ADP is is not the level of respect he deserved after we're, last we're year. We're agreeing a kind of again, which is too bad. Um, hopefully next next topic we will. But to tie a bow on this, I would say with Mike Davis out of the picture, they're probably both going to be fantasy viable this year. There's a lot more opportunity in that backfield. So, they're, you know, I don't think Chris Carson is going to see I 80% agree. of the touches. All right, Dave, so, what's our next one? Next one is we're going to Green Bay and looking at the Green Bay wide receiver situation. Todd, we've got um, quite a few options in Green Bay with uh, Randall Cobb leaving. Jordy Nelson's been gone for a few years now. Devontae, Evans, or Devontae Ev- Adams is the uh, the target hog over there. But we've got MVS. Mar- um, he's you know he's getting a lot of hype. And then also Jerron Allison is there too. And then some people are talking about uh, Jake Kumro as a very deep, deep sleeper. What I'm not. You, <laughs> what are your thoughts here, Todd? Um, I So first off, Devontae Adams just eating that that target, those targets and that offense. And he's just, he's the guy to own, obviously. With When it comes to MVS and you got Geronimo Allison, I don't think you can really go wrong with either of those two guys. If I'm picking one of those guys and I want one of those guys, I want MVS. Um, he's a big, big wide receiver. Has he, he's a he's a perfect red zone target. I I really do think that like Rodgers really started trusting him later in the year. You know, like he came on late. He had you know 581 yards. You know, he was getting like 15.3 per reception. The guy's looking like he's going to be the the Y two. Now, if you're in a PPR week, what might shift here a little bit is is I like Geronimo Allison for actually getting more targets than MVS, but I like MVS getting more of the red zone opportunities. I think that they're going to be really close in yardage at the end of the day, and uh, when it comes to PPR, it's a little bit closer. So MVS for me because I honestly think that when you start seeing Devonte Adams getting um, getting safeties over the top when they're in the red zones, MVS is going to have a lot less coverage, and he's going to be the kind of guy to score the TDs. So, but Allison's going to move the change. He's going to do a great job in that slot. So I really do think that you're looking at MVS having more of a wide receiver two uh, upside in that offense, but I do think that MVS and Jerome Allison are viable wide receiver threes. Yeah, I think... <laughs> I don't know what the heck our problem is, Todd, but I'm on MVS side too in this. Um, as far as who I think is going to win the bat, actually, to be honest, I look at it. There, there. In my opinion, there are two different players. Um, I'm looking they at are. their uh, ayards.com. Josh Armsmeyer, who I mentioned a couple times here, is a great website. And um, looking at basically, it's an efficiency metric we've talked about before, Todd. But it's Racer, which basically looks at um, basically efficiency of a player based on their um, their average depth of target. And it just basically, you know, as you go down the field, it looks at their efficiency. Um, and I'm looking at, um, I'm looking first at MVS's um, racer. And it's, it's he's really good um, from 5 to 10 yards. He's pretty, actually right around league average, around 5 to 10 yards. And then he dips towards that 10 to 20 yards downfield. And compared to... Um, Jordan Allison's better um, in that intermediate range, and then uh, MVS is better downfield. Is a lot better downfield. He's a, uh, has a great. He's well above um, average as far when he gets further down the field. So I I look at it as MVS is a better deep target. 
where those in those opinions, those targets are more valuable than slot targets, in my opinion. Um, and right. so I think I'd be taking M- I think they're, I think they're both going to have value. The problem is that MVS is is uh, value has been climbing. He was a sleeper this time last year, Todd. Yeah. Now he I mean, he's dropped like he's jumped like 50 points in ADP, I think, in some places. Um, so I, I think with MVS, if you're looking, if he's sliding in your drafts, don't overpay for him. I don't see him anywhere above ninth, in my opinion. The ninth you round? Know? What are you saying? Ninth round, eighth round, that's where I'm looking at him. But if he's falling anywhere nine or lower, then I like him. But with with MVS, is like he's get the separation, he gets downfield, he's going to be able to get touchdowns. Geronimo Allison's like eight... Uh, ADP is just just juicy right now. You're looking at a guy who's just going to move the sticks and get targets. See, when I say that the yardages are going to are going to be equal, because Allison's going to have significantly more receptions, in my opinion. And yeah. but I and I that's so I think where the difference between these two guys is. I think where Allison is, if you're looking to get, if you're relying on more than five touchdowns from Allison, then you're relying on way too much. You know, I would say that. Even four to me would be what I'm thinking with him, and looking at like around 800, 900 yards, and like if you're looking to get like him as your wide receiver three, and you're stronger in other places like tight end or running back three is a little bit better than that, then I think that's a viable option. And you know, so and this is actually a, a, a perfect way to kind of highlight how we're how we go about it. I I didn't even start with this in my analysis. I the first thing I do is I go back and I look at there with young players like this. I go back. Now, I mean, Jordan Madison isn't as young as he used to be. Obviously, neither none of us are. But um, I still think you know when you haven't broken out yet, I, I go back and I look at their college production. Neither one of these guys were very stellar in their um, their college production. Just quickly looking at their dominator ratings, they both were just well were below average. Um, MVS, his athletic measurables jump off the page. He's 96, per, uh, he had a 437 40-yard dash, you know, and he just, and he did that at 206 pounds at 6'4". Um, so I, I, the explosiveness of an MVS is appealing to me. Um, and he had a great yards per reception. Um, and two, you know, just trying to read the tea leaves, it depends on which day of the week it is. Geronimo Allison's being tucked up by Aaron Rodgers and the next day, MVS is being tucked up. So this is, I think it goes back to, you know, I actually probably am selling them both right now in Dynasty, especially the way I build my teams. I like to build my teams through wide, wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Um, so usually an MVS is something like usually my seventh or eighth best wide receiver um, in a lot of my you know deeper rosters, at least the way I like to build it. If that's the case, I'd rather take try to get a second round draft pick out of some, 2020 second round draft pick if I can. So you would trade MVS for a 2020 second? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Straight up. Oh, 100%. Oh, I do that trade in a heartbeat. Yeah, I probably I probably am overestimating. I'd probably take. I would I, do that trade in a heartbeat. What about a third You're, rounder? Let's also keep it a third rounder. Yeah. Yes. I, no. I would give up my second round pick for MVS. Oh, day. oh yeah. Oh man, I wish we were. I wish we had. I yeah. wish we could do this right now. All day. Whoa. <laughs> you do not know him. Yeah. So, <laughs> um. Yeah, but my my thing about it is is like. I like the upside you're getting him. But here's the other thing, too. The guy's attached to Aaron Rodgers. When it comes to wide receivers to me, like, I actually was on a group the other day where it was like Keenan Allen versus T.Y. Hilton. Like, who do you like better here or there? Those are two wide receivers to me that are like neck and neck, right? I go, okay, you have Aaron Luck. Wing, done. 
You know, mm-hmm. like who your QB, who your attached to a QB means a lot to me. Right now, that guy's attached to the Packers and he's attached to Aaron Rodgers. I like that. You know, so I'm buying that. I don't know what I'm going to get in the second round of 2020. It's a stock draft. I know that, but I know what I'm getting MVS, and I think that's great value. And I also know the upside that's there. Now, with that said, MVS on, so I'm looking at the Dynasty League football rankings. He's ranked as the 55th best wide receiver in Dynasty. That's a heck of a price right now. Mm -hmm. You know, Hartman, Hartman is ahead of him, and I would not do that. I would take him over. Traquan Smith, I would take him over Cody. Oh, give me, I'll take Traquan over uh, MVS. Yep, uh, I would take him over Golden Tate. When I you said Cody, do you, mean Co- do you mean Cutie? Co- Cutie, Kiki? my bad, yeah. Okay. Kiki. Yep, uh, I would take wow. him over Golden okay. Tate. I think I might take, that's actually a good question. I, I probably would take Cute, uh, take Kiki over MVS too. No, yeah, so like that's what I'm saying. Like I'm pretty high on MVS. Wow. So what that's okay. saying is that like, so with Geronimo Allison, now, if I'm in a dynasty league, I have drawn on my Allison. I tested the waters. I see that people aren't that high on him. He is a guy that's a really good live boat by low candidate, in my opinion. Because MVS's stocks are going so high that people are starting to think, like, oh, Drama's going to be the. That's an offense that can feed three wide receivers. You what know, and if you're, if you're in a league playing. How many years is it for him? How many years? Yeah, if experience? you're starting three wides, right? And you're even looking to add depth, Drama Allison is an excellent depth choice. Is this his third year or fourth year in the league? This is fourth year, but yeah, he, okay. he had injuries. He had he, he was injured last year. He only yep. played five games. So, okay. so yeah. that after you bring that up, I would I would not be buying. I would don't think I'd be buying. If I don't have Jerome Allison, I'm either trying to get rid of him or I'm not touching him because, in my opinion, this is his last window as far as value is concerned. He's got to hit. I don't if say if he doesn't if he struggles with injuries or just is just a you know he's like a say he's a wide receiver four. Slash yep. five, you know, say he's just a bi week filler for you this year. I don't think he, I don't, I think that basically what he's going to be for the rest of his career, especially with Aaron Rodgers. Um, that's all he can do. I think this is the last year you can get value for him. So I'm trading him away. Whereas MVS, if he doesn't hit this year, he's still got wide, he's still got his third year to, you can lean on. Sure. That makes a lot of sense. So, like, with me with Allison, what I'm saying is, is that as, that was a difficult wide receiving core to figure out last year, all right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, and I would say Allison and MVS have kind of emerged as two guys that are going to be prominent more than, say, t- say Brown or whoever else is there. I don't even want to talk about anybody else. Yeah. So with Allison, what I'm saying is, is that it's exactly what you said, is that this is his last chance and all that, but he has an opportunity and the price is low. Why not buy that low? Because the trend is what you, I believe you're saying what the main trend is in most leagues. Go against trends. You'll find value in that, you know? So to me, I'm saying, like, if you got a third-round draft pick and you offer up for Allison and the guy says yes, catch that all day. Yeah, so. I mean, so, yeah, and, and I'm thinking just, too, I think this just is a, I think this is a good, another example of how we're different. You know, I'm trying to get out at this point, try to capitalize on that value, and you're like, oh, let's ride till we die kind of thing. You know, he's attached to Aaron Rodgers. Let's do this. Oh, all day, baby. you got to stay active every year and try to find that stuff. Yeah. So, so anyways, all right, let's, let's move on. On to the next one. All right, let's do this. So next one, Todd, is, I'm trying to look at here, where we are here. Who is the next one, Todd? Well, I think we're talking about the Bears oh, backfield, Dave. That's right. You're all right. So I'll I'll uh, serve this on a platter for you to do. So this year Montgomery comes in with some high draft capital, um, a sm- kind of a small, a little smaller school running back who carried a, carried the ball a lot, s- saw a lot of action in the receiving game in college. Tariq Cohen is the um, 
the weapon connoisseur in Chicago. I don't even know what's, what, what I'm trying to say right there, but he's like a, you know, he's got this receiving back uh, specialist with some b- a big play returnability. Um, he's a human joystick. Just human that. joystick. That's what I should have said. Yeah. He, and he, he lives up to his name. Um, and then also too, in the background, which I know that you're kind of been t- uh, talking about him a little bit is, uh, Mike Davis is who got signed to a pretty decent contract, um, by the bears to start free agency. So there's three, like really a three headed monster there in the Nagy offense. So, um, I know you have a, a big take to go here. So I'll let you go with it. It's very tricky when you're dealing with Run DMC, baby. Run DMC. That's what I'm talking about. When I saw that acronym, Dave, Run DMC on a website, I was like, oh, I love it. 80s hip-hop all the way, baby. <laughs> so, all I right. Expected. I, I'm blown away here. I, I mean, I tried not to get down and jiggy with it. You know, I, ooh, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> the stat nerd's getting loose. Oh, my God. You just say get down and jiggy with it. <laughs> That's amazing. All right. So it is a tricky situation. All right. I think Montgomery is getting hyped, hyped, hyped. And he finally got on the field this week. And the training camp hype is real. He was breaking tackles, cutting back in the goal line drills, yada, yada. So to me. Mitch Trubisky comes in and picks him up in the video. And he's like, ah. Oh, gosh, oh my jacks God. You up, Todd. That jacks and, you up. And, and everybody talks about his college production. And I'm like. Yo, this guy is hyped up way too much. It reminds me of Rashard Penny way too much. And I'm not trying to compare two players in two different situations. But to me, I'm buying off Tariq Cohen. I can, man. All right, can we say a disclaimer? Todd already owns, or already has him on his roster in our Dynasty League. So there is some bias. There is some bias here. Oh, there's a lot of bias here. (laughs) I have been a Tariq Cohen believer since day one. I love this guy. This was like one of the guys that we shared, Dave. Yeah, like we, we kept being like, him. we were talking about, oh, this guy that we like. Be like, before everyone growing got on him, I'm a big Tariq Cohen guy. I think when you talk about Tariq Cohen, being part of a running back by community helps him because he doesn't have to take the ground and pound. He can stay fresh. He's a game breaker. Every time he touches the ball, he could break one. You know, you mm-hmm. want him fresh. You don't want him doing the between the tackles. You know, he's going to be catching. He might be second on that team in targets. He could be second on that team in targets. Oh, that's not going to happen. Come on. He could easily be second on the team in targets. Oh. His, main, his main competition is Anthony Miller, who I also love, might I add. But my point being, like, who else, who else is there? I mean, Trey Burton? Cal- Calvin Trey Ridley's Burton? a huge threat, Todd. He, we both love Calvin Ridley, right? I what about guess. Calvin Ridley? Who am I meant to say? Riley Ridley. Riley Ridley. Oh, and that was I, a slip of the tongue. Yeah, and guess what? I ain't that high on Riley Ridley. <laughs> I think we both agree again. That, 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 that did not work out for you, Dave. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm not a yeah. Riley Ridley guy. Yeah, Taylor Gabriel. Oh, I'm oh, sorry, yeah. man. You see Tariq Cohen touch the football, something special is going to happen. And the numbers proved it. Tariq Cohen was a high-end RB2 last year. All right? And he ran behind Jordan Howard. Now, what is... What does David Montgomery do for him? David Montgomery is going to be a better running back. He's going to pound the ball. But Cohen is still going to be able to come in on third downs and even second downs. And they're also going to ride a hot hand. And they're going to play matchups. That's what Nagy does. He'll switch things up. But I do like David Montgomery. I don't like his price. I think his price is crazy. And I could be the guy who gets burned by so it. So you're not taking him 102 overall in a dynasty. or in a, in a, Say if we... in the. 
in a rookie 2019 rookie draft, you do not want David Montgomery at 102. Am I in a Superflex draft? Yeah, Superflex. Oh, I'm not even close. Okay. Well, you you already know my feelings about yeah. Dwayne Haskins. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? so you're, okay, so yeah. So, so is he your first running back off the board, or are you taking Josh Jacobs? Um, no, I'm not taking either of them. I'm taking Miles Sanders. Okay, no, I think, okay. Yeah, and, I, and I'm also taking Harry over him. I'm not saying Montgomery's like, he's definitely in my top five, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, actually, maybe, maybe six. I might put Jacobs over him. I have to think that went through. I'm not a big Jacobs believer, personally. But my big thing is that, like, I just think that his hype is just crazy right now, you know? And, like, Tariq Cohen's, because whenever some guy is stepping up to be, like, the guy... The other team players at his position, the same team, slide, even though they do different things. So, Tariq Cohen, I'm buying all that. And if I'm buying Tariq Cohen, I'm scooping up Mike Davis late and loving it. Mm-hmm. So, all right. You good? Oh, I'm can good. I, can I, all right. No, I just want to make sure it was all out before I weighed in here. That was so, that was that was me being concise. I know. No, I Todd, you were on a good roll. I didn't want to interrupt. This is me giving you some deference to your boy. I mean, I don't want to disparage. That was feel, that was that was that was concise. I even I even accounted for Drun DMC, man. Todd, all right. Pour yourself some scotch, have a cigarette, enjoy it now as you listen to me uh shit all or beep um rain all over your parade. <laughs> I forgot this is a family-friendly podcast here, but uh, rain all over your parade. But um, so my thing is basically, Tariq Cohen was incredibly efficient last year. Um, he had some, he you know, awesome. He saw eighty-nine targets last year, which I love to see for my running backs. That you know, um, that shows a lot of upside to be able to catch the ball, break big plays, you know, get those PPR, those easy PPR points. Um, he had eight touchdowns though, which is a, a good, which was basically if you're looking. It was one point, based on how many touches he saw, he's, it was 1.9 more touchdowns, almost, basically two touchdowns more than he should have based on his workload. And I'm a big believer uh, of regression to the mean here and, and um, t- uh, touchdown regression and that I think those touchdowns are going to come th- or come down this year. I don't think um, – I personally th- – all right, so here's a question. Who's better, Jordan Howard or David Montgomery? Uh, everyone's better than Jordan Howard. Yeah, okay. So we're on the same – I think – yeah, I, I don't want to – I like Tariq Cohen. I don't want to sit here and, and disparage him because he it was incredibly efficient last year, which isn't necessarily you know stable from year to year. But And he saw a lot of work in the red zone. But I think David Montgomery is going to cut into those that opportunity for him because David – not only is David Montgomery a grinder, he saw, you know, clo- what I think he was seeing a lot of – he saw over 250 touches several times um, in college and was a, a workhorse. And he also saw – he got a lot of catches too. I think – that there's a lot of talk in Chicago about they wanted Jordan Howard to, to catch the ball. They force-fed Jordan Har- the first couple of weeks. They tried to throw it to him over and over again, and Jordan Howard kept on dropping the ball. Okay, um, okay, okay. Well, we got we got timeout, timeout. Okay, okay. First of all, David Montgomery's average per touches his last two year was four point four and four point seven. His what? you mean yards per carry? You mean? Yeah, that's not outstanding. Yeah, yard, per, yard per carry doesn't is a, is not an irrelevant stat, Todd. Um, it, uh, it's okay. an offensive line stat. Okay, well, my whole point being is that like the guy's getting two hundred fifty carries. That's great. He only caught twenty two balls. Like he's not. That was last year. Out. He caught thirty six balls the year before. 
Yeah, but he got 22 last year. I mean, I'm sorry. like 20 catches I, is the threshold for running backs to be uh, – like that's – you know, we talked about him. Zach Reed always talks about you want your running backs to have at least come out with at least 20 catches, you know, at, at least have a 20-catch season. A 36-catch right. season, that's a really good season. Dave to Montgomery. me, it, it – all right. It, no, I'm not saying it's a bad season. I just don't think it, it equates to the hype. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm not bashing that he was bad. I'm saying like – I think people are blowing up his numbers a little too much. That's what my point is. I would by no means say it's bad. I just think it's way beyond I the think, normal right, fight. Let's try to – we're kind of talking – we're talking a little bit big picture here. Let's try to narrow this down a little bit, Todd, and what – and give some actual fancy advice. You, okay. You think – all right. Who do you think has more points next year, Dave Montgomery or Tariq Cohen? Tariq Cohen. Okay. So and do you think Tariq Cohen's an RB1, RB2? I think he's an RB2. Okay, high end, low end, just rate where he did rate what he did last year. I think he's a high end RB two, and I actually think Dave Montgomery's a mid is, is a mid RB two. Okay, so and all right, and so who do you think gives more? I'm trying to look here, and it, actually, it's a good thing we can let me pull up. A, I'm going to pull up a trade calculator and see who um, gets more points, or like who where you know who's more valuable right now, Dave Montgomery or. You know, is this a straw man argument or like are people who people read that Tariq Cohen's more valuable? Um, so I'm right now I'm going to Dynasty Trade Calculator. That's one. I actually like to use a DFL trade calculator, but I didn't. It's not as easy to um, pull up. So I'm just Tariq Cohen is right now valued, um, you know, eight point. Oh, gosh, that's not very good. Um, and then um, David Montgomery. Let's see where what he is. Uh, wow. David Montgomery is getting. More than twice the value that Tree Cohen is in Dynasty Leagues right now, Todd. Right. And I, I understand that. My wow. point being is that, like, David Montgomery... Now, listen, I'm totally possibly get burned by David Montgomery. I've heard so many people tell me that... Well, I shouldn't say they told me. I've read that so many people say that he could be an RB1 by next year. And, like, I don't... I, I'm not saying that's not possible. My point being is that Tariq Cohen's value because of David Montgomery is ridiculously unbelievable right now and i am buying every share i can of him right now so all right yeah and just to say too and i think we mentioned it too i think the real problem is todd is mike davis is going to vulture some targets from both or vulture some work from both these guys too yeah and and i think when it comes to mike davis is like i actually think that hurts montgomery more than it does cohen because i actually think that you like he's going to be more of a grinder you know he might caught a lot of balls in seattle last year though uh, he was yeah. the receiving back in Yeah, in I Seattle. agree. But I, I think that when you're talking about the receiving part, like, he's going to I think we'd t- argue that Tariq is better receiver. I think we can both Absolutely. Yeah. I also think that, like, Mike Davis is probably a better passing blocker than Tariq Cohen. But my point being is that, like, Tariq Cohen to me is... I, I He passed the eye test for me. Remember, you're a nerd with numbers. I'm a gut guy. Mm-hmm. I watched the guy play. Pass the eye test. He's a special player. Every time he touches the ball, he could get 50, 40 yards a touch, no problem. You know? Okay. So you're you're buying are you so are you making offers to try to get Tariq Cohen at that price? I think that's it, it sounds like that's a, a screaming buy for you then. I already own him in every yeah, dynasty. Everywhere. Yeah, but <laughs> so, all right. but yes, so, I am. Yeah. So I mean, thinking of that too, I I think it's just I probably would I, I think I if I was faced with a choice, I think I'd take Miles Sanders over David Montgomery. And I think we already agreed on that. Um, so I think I'm basically, and I'm taking Nikhil Harry over David Montgomery. So I'm basically never getting a chance to, to draft David Montgomery. So, yep. and, I'm, and in redraft, um, he's what, going probably the fifth round probably, right? Yep. If, if I have David Montgomery, I'm not even, I'll say it. I'm trading him. I, yeah. I, I, I'm 
all, all day I'm just kind of like talking about a guy that's just getting insane hype right now. Yeah, so I'm probably, man, I'm, I guess a major theme for me so far is that when there's this kind of doubt, I'm trying to cash out most of the time unless it's maybe going to our next battle here. Were, were we heading down to Denver next, Todd? We are heading down to Denver. We're across Denver. We're actually up, I guess, Rocky Mountain High. I don't know. Here we are. But, Rocky yeah, so do you want to do the running backs or wide receivers first? Let's do the running backs. I think this is probably the last thing we're being able to talk about tonight is Denver situation. I'm very I'm very disappointed. Um, yeah, I know. We, we got caught up in some things tonight, but I'm still enjoying the banter. It's like get back to our old self. You know, we, we can uh, kind of just go with the flow and... But all right, so let's do. You said the running backs first. Yeah, let's do it. All right, so we got Philip Lindsay versus um, Royce Freeman. Rolls Royce Freeman. Um, what do you, yeah, Todd? You know, Philip Lindsay was end up being the main guy last year, but it's a different coaching regime. Uh, Fangio, I think his name was Fangio from Chicago is yep. in now. Yep. Um, there's a lot of chatter. Um, Cecil Lammy, member of the Audible podcast, is talking about. And he's a beat writer down there. He's talking about that the, the coaching staff's talking about they want it to be more of a running back by committee. They're worried about Philip Lindsay handling the load, but Philip Lindsay's still getting all the RB one or the first team carries in training camp. So how are, how are you seeing this uh, shakeout, Todd? I test David. I test. I watched Lindsay play. The kid runs hard. He's he's elusive. He breaks tackles. He breaks big runs. He had 5.4 per carry. I'm sorry, it's an O-line stat, but it was it, it, that's an impressive number. Nine TDs. I like him. Because the other thing is, too, is like because of Freeman, who, again, I'm not saying like he's not a good player. Like He he was a little bit of a disappointment. I mean, he still put up good numbers, like over 500 yards and five TDs, but I'm buying Lindsey hard, you know? However... I think you can obviously get both these guys no problem, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and and I don't really think you're spending a lot of draft capital on Freeman. I if I'm rolling into my season with Philip Lindsay as my RB two, I'm ecstatic because probably what happened there is I'm stacked at wide receiver and I already have a starting tight end. Yeah, I mean, so I'm the way I'm looking at it is I was a huge, huge Royce Freeman guy coming out. He was one of my top RBs last year and last year's class. I think. He might have been like slotted behind uh, Darius Geis for me. I was really high on Royce Freeman. I forget. I think I had. I actually had Royce Freeman over Sony Michelle in my rankings. Um, I was a big fan of him coming out of Oregon. Um, I loved his size. He's got a great BM, 69th percentile uh, BMI. Phenomenal. Um, oh my god! And then uh, Todd, don't 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 moan like that to the microphone. I say 69th <laughs> uh, uh, BMI, but <laughs> but. <laughs> Um, but the thing is to me, I, the big thing for me is their, I hate to say it, is their weight. Philip Lindsay's tiny. Um, I don't think he can handle that kind of workload like he did last year and stay healthy. And he didn't stay healthy last year. He, he broke his wrist. Um, that would actually last a lot longer than people thought it was going to. He's back now. Um, you're right. He is exciting to watch when he's running the ball. I, he, he has a great breakaway ability. It feels like he does a lot of big chunks. Um, I just... He had some injuries he dealt with in college a little bit. Um, that's why he kind of fell, I think, in some draft boards in the NFL. Um, if I, I think at this point, if I had Philip, I actually, I already know what I would do. I traded. I actually had both Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman on my roster this year, and I traded them both away. Um, I would be more likely to hold on to Royce Freeman than Philip Lindsay, but 
Ugh, and I and I'd be willing to be okay if Philip Lindsay say Philip Lindsay is an RB two again this year. I'm okay taking that loss that L because not a lot of running not a lot of undrafted guys who are 180 pounds have long careers in the NFL. So you know what's difficult for me in these situations is Dave is that I'm a winner. I'm a reigning champ, and I'm thinking about <laughs> winning now and repeating. You know, so. Philip Lindsay's my guy, but I do agree with you about long term. I would rather have Freeman. Um, I actually think I don't know what you like. Usually, probably use Freeman in like a multiplayer deal to get a guy that was like a high end talent. You know? Yeah, I, I trade away Freeman for uh, oh, for actually Darius Grace. I actually and and Traquan Smith. Oh, one of the four thousand trades you made for yeah, Darius Geis. Yeah, yeah, my one. Yeah. So and then I trade yeah. away Darius Geis like a week later. But yeah, um, for but, yeah. tomorrow. But anyway, yeah. I, so Philip Lindsay, if you're in win now mode, you go and you find Philip Lindsay because the price is going to be right. You know, if you are in rebuild and you have Philip Lindsay, you trade him to a win now team. You know, like that's what you got to do. You got to know your league, man. Like if you're in a rebuild and you look at another team as a rebuild, do you want Philip Lindsay? I don't think you're going to get back what you want. If you go up and look at like, Normally, if a team's in a, in a win-now situation, they're going to have some good young players stashed still, too. Go get a couple of those good young players for Philip Lindsay. And yep. I, I don't like Philip Lindsay for the long term for Dynasty, but if I'm trying to win this year, I'm taking Philip Lindsay, and I'm stoked about it. And if I'm looking to rebuild, I'll roll the dice on Royce Freeman, but I'm not really going to spend a whole lot on him. Yeah. So, that, I mean, you make some good points and good arguments. Um, if I'm in a win-now mode... See, if I want to win now i want running i don't it depends where i am in my in my process here but i'm usually i'm probably trying to take philip Lindsay and add a piece onto it to get a better player that's what i'm trying to do i'm like uh i'd rather upgrade i like to i'd rather upgrade try to maybe yeah a piece i even throw in a second or something i try to get more on mac or something like that um no well okay so here's another thing about that which is marl and mac marl mac is a better high like um long-term investment in there but there's question marks there too you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So to me, I'm saying to myself, I'm sitting with Philip Lindsay and and trying to give out like trying to get some back end pieces to go get Philip Lindsay. And I tried, didn't work. But my point being is that like Philip Lindsay's price is pretty low. So it's, it's, it's a value right now. If you're willing to take the risk, it's a right. value. If I'm in a win now mode, I don't want to take the risk. I wanna I wanna make sure I have a running back I can count on. Um, I don't. I'm not trading away Lindsay for picks. No way. I'm nope. not trading away for picks. I nope. want. I'm trying to, I'll, if I have to, I'll stick with Philip Lindsay and I'll ride him out. I'm trying to get rid of him, but I'm willing to hold on to him unless I can package him up and get a better piece. Try to get to that next that next tier above him. All right, you own Philip Lindsay. I gave you a second in 2020 and a second in 2021. Do you take it? No way. Not no no no. I'm not I'm not giving right. up Philip Lindsay for less than a first round pick. Yeah, I fair enough. I would do the same actually, but that's also just because. Um, you know, in a super flex league, these next two drafts are dirty. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really <laughs> tough to get any first round picks for next year, and Philip Lindsay's not a really popular guy. To, I mean, I tried to early in the off season, I tried to get first round picks for for Lindsay for 2019. I couldn't. Um, so, from a non fantasy perspective, I hope to see Philip Lindsay in the Patriots jersey someday. Oh my gosh! I, I, I mean, I he's a big him. fan favorite out there in Denver. Um, I love he's him. you know he's Denver. You know he went to uh, was it Colorado State or something. Yep. Yeah, he, um, th- that dude is the overachiever to the max, man. He's amazing. And and just too, Todd, the thing about the risk profile is Philip Lindsay 
fails this year, his value is going to crater. Royce Freeman, he's got that kind of thing where he can kind of have a – he might not have much, you know, heels. It can maybe retain a little bit more value than Freeman – I mean, than, than Lindsey just because of his size um, and his draft capital being a third-round pick. Um, right. Which to me is a little ridiculous when you when you're talking about two guys that are coming out of the same draft yeah. pass. Like yeah. I like I understand the reasoning behind it. I just don't buy into it. Yeah, I mean Lindsey earned what he got last year. In my opinion, you know, like he he beat him. Out. He was behind him in the jet chart and beat out Royce Freeman. Just just go watch Lindsey on film. You'll see it. Yeah, I mean I hate to say it. I, I mean I, you know, I hate to say it, but uh, I mean Phil Lindsey jumped off the page when he was getting the ball. Uh, that it made improvements to that offensive line. Um, Joe Flacco. Maybe I don't know about if that's a better QB situation than last year. Stop probably. talking about Joe Flacco. We never talk about Joe Flacco on this okay. podcast. He's okay. irrelevant. All right. All right. So now All let's right. go to the wide Do receivers. You... Wrap it up quickly. Yeah, you can say Drew Lock before that. So um, Drew Lock. Drew yeah. t- Oh no, no, thank you. But, All uh, right. So whoever the Denver quarterback is. So I actually, it's a great point. This is why I kind of don't care about this part as much because. This quarterback situation is a mess, which what pains me about it is, is I love Cortland Sutton. I love him. And I'm just praying that Drew Luck is actually decent because that other aging former Super Bowl winner is garbage. So I'm just, yeah, I am all about Cortland Sutton. I don't really like this pass attack, though. So anyways, Dave, what what are your thoughts on the wide receivers? All right, so I agree with you. I think Cortland Sutton is going... Or Cortland Sutton is going extremely undervalued in in uh, in drafts right now, um, especially redraft in particular. Um, because I mean, what do you have? He had over seven hundred receiving yards last year, right? Yep. Um, he had eighty four targets, and you there's you know from year one to year two, wide receivers, especially with that kind of draft capital, see a significant target bump. Say if he gets a 20, 20 25 target bump, you know he's he's maybe hitting a thousand yards pretty easily there. Um, he has a he has a a really just he has a very higher like you know think about breakout wide receivers that we're talking about this year from year one to year two people are talking about Christian Kirk talking about DJ Moore um, Dante Pettis um, who else are they talking about Todd off the top of your head uh, Curtis Samuel is coming up a Curtis lot. Samuel but he's yeah he's year three but he's a breakout wide receiver you're right um, you don't hear Cortland Sutton I think Cortland Sutton should be in that conversation and he's not and that's a problem no but he shouldn't be in that conversation because his QB situation is a joke I mean I mean last year I mean first off I am no Joe Flacco supporter I'm no I'm not a Joe Flacco's an elite quarterback never have been never you're, will be you're a huge um, fan so stop lying I mean he's very sexy Todd but that uh, that very thick scruff Whoa, gets me going oh, 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 oh. Um, as I lean into the microphone here and, and get my deep raspy and Joku and Joku voice but uh, easy buddy good lord yeah so but that being said if you look at it before Lamar Jackson came in last year um, I think Joe Flack was supporting two top 36 wide receivers last year. And and they didn't have that. They did have nothing at wide receivers. Would they have uh, Michael Crabtree and John Brown? Oh, that's true. I would think yeah. Emmanuel Sanders is better than um, – Emmanuel Sanders definitely be- – and Cortland Sutton or, and Deshaun Hamilton is a lot better wide receiver crew or core there. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, I can agree with that. But you're also talking about, you know, there's a whole lot of new going on there. You know? That's a big point. They have a new coaching staff. They've got an improved offensive line. I f- they get the feeling that they're going to run the ball a lot. They might not. They and it might not be as a concentrated as a pass offense where it's been like Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders the last couple. Of, you know how it was like it was just concentrated in those two players. You got Deshaun Hamilton, Tim Patrick in there now. You got Noah Fant. 
you've got a lot more comp you've got a lot more um you know people going for that target that target pie so i i would lean i mean if i'm so here's a question you where are you high on deshaun hamilton no yeah, I, I, I don't oh, really oh, whoa, get whoa. it. The, I'm Deshaun, I'm Deshaun Hamilton as a person, not as a fantasy oh, person. Yeah, I, oh, yes. We're Love, big fans of Deshaun Hamilton. Love if, him. Everyone should do this as a favor. I might tweet it out later. Um, Sports Illustrated did a um, an article doing a profile on Deshaun Hamilton and I think his younger brother, right? Yes. Or maybe it's his older brother, actually. I thought um, it was his younger brother. Yeah, is his brother um, who, you know, and it's just a really cool relationship. It, it strikes close to home with us. Um his brother's a big fan of him. Um, yeah, Deshaun and Deshaun Hamilton actually had. A, I, I like Deshaun Hamilton a lot. I was excited to, him, to have him go there. Um, I actually, I'm glad you reminded me about that story. Um, I, I just don't. Oh, it is his older brother. It yeah. is. <clears throat> um, I just oh, man. I mean, no. Just, so so Deshaun yeah. Hamilton's brother was was born with nonverbal autism, and mm-hmm. he's just. Always been there for him. But, like, that's not what we're here for. For me, for Deshaun Hamilton, is like, do I think he has the talent? I do. I actually, let me put it back. I'm actually a Deshaun Hamilton fan in a dynasty if I can buy him extremely low and just ride it out because I think he doesn't really have a high tag, you know? Um, now, the reason why I'm not that high on him right now is, is because the reason I'm stashing him is why I say stash is I don't trust him right now. You know, so I'm not spending a lot on him, but I don't think the price is too lofty. You know, um, the guy that I'm really high on right now is actually Emmanuel Sanders, because in a in a buying way, into that hype, that hype he's back and healed. He's magically been that a torn Achilles, that blo- ruptured Achilles tendon is back. Hey man, I'm putting that guy in, and I'm slotting him as like my fifth wide receiver, paying him for that cost, and I'm looking at a guy who had almost a hundred targets and didn't play four games. Mm-hmm. I mean, he you was know, a, he was a wide receiver too, a high up. He was a high end wide receiver too. Yeah, and he has been for quite some time. He's even broke into the wide receiver one conversation yeah. sometimes. Yeah. And now I'm saying, like in a dynasty league, is like this is a rental. I mean, you can get him for a third. You, you can get him for a third yeah. round pick easily. Yeah, I don't have one, or I would do it right now. You know, so for me, it's like you know, you're looking at him as like that's a perfect guy to put at the back part right now, and you're not going to spend a lot on him if you're trying to win this year. Stop thinking about like bolstering that guy in the beginning. If you're trying to win now and you're a win now team, you're probably pretty stacked at the beginning. But guys are going to get hurt. You know who are you going to have to be able to ride the storm? Are you going to rely on Deshaun Hamilton or are you going to decide on Mont- Emmanuel Sanders? I'm riding on Emmanuel Sanders. So you're tr- if you had a choice, you do a third pick for Emmanuel Sanders or Deshaun Hamilton. What are you doing? Emmanuel Sanders all day. Okay, and for me, see, I think the cha- the conversation has changed because a month if, ago, if people if, thought, hold on, if I'm in a if I'm in a rebuild, I'm doing Deshaun ha- Deshaun Hamilton for third round, no problem. Yeah. So, I mean, if I'm in a rebuild, I'm trade. I'm pro- yeah. Um, my thing is that like the conversation was a lot different a month ago when most of us thought Emmanuel Sanders was going to miss the first six games. Um, it started the pup because we come on. Uh, how old is he? 31, 32 now, Todd. He's yeah, he's thirty two. Um. And coming back from that kind of injury, uh, and then his quarterback's not that great, you know, not the best of quarterbacks. Um, I mean, or, you know, Cortland Sutton is, should be growing that offense. I, I, I was down, I was like, I liked the idea of Deshaun Hamilton there. But now that there's that much more of a competition for targets there, I'm, I, th- I think I would. Oh. I'm relying on production. He's been consistent for 
He's been consistent since he was in Pittsburgh. Yeah. I want Cortland Sutland or nobody else. I think that's where I am. I, and if I can cheaply get Emmanuel Sanders, I think I'll take it. But yeah, um, yep. And and yeah. the thing about Cortland Sutton too is is like I agree with you that he's not getting on a hype. But I also think because of the quarterback situation and a new coach, and this coach might not last more than a year depending on how they do. So yeah. they might get another new coach. Did you see what they said about what Fangio said about uh, Drew Locke? No, he said that. I didn't even know he was. He said something along the lines of, "I don't even. I didn't even. He doesn't even look like a quarterback to me." Like saying like how bad he's been. It was oh, like right. I had never heard. A, it was a pretty scathing commentary from of a, a rookie QB. It was it was rough. Oh, that's rough. It was like I did. Oh yeah. So I you could be in some QB purgatory there for a while in Denver. So maybe that does. I mean, I I'm not terribly concerned. As you about QB play when it comes to those elite wide receivers, I think, you know, the elite wide receivers are going to get theirs. It's more those secondary wide receivers that I'd be more worried about. So in this case where the wire, the QB situation isn't that great long term, I'm I'm not, I'm probably out on Deshaun Hamilton. I'm going to stick with Quentin Sutton. And for one year, yeah, I do a one year run on Emmanuel Sanders. But it's tough to do now because he's gotten so much hype. So I don't, good luck trying to get him. Like try to get who? Emmanuel Sanders. Good luck trying to get Emmanuel Sanders for a third rounder. He's probably a second rounder at this point. No way. Yeah, dude. And Todd, a people, are, people are all about the. They think he's basically walking on water. He's come back so quick. He's the rave of the camp right now in Denver. Yeah, I don't know about that. I, yeah, I, I, I mean, we'll agree there, but all right, yeah. Todd. All right, man. So, you know what the disappointing part is that we ran out of time is? We didn't even get to the Patriots. No, yeah, we had some good. T- we had some. We thought we had some good insights in the Patriots. Um, you know yeah. what? Hey, real quick, who's the guy you're buying low in the Pats? Um, buying low in the Pats, um, Rex Burkhead. Yeah, I'm all about Harris, man. All yeah. about Harris. Oh, see that? Oh man, we're, we might have to talk about this next week because I'm. Uh, if I'm doing Michelle Sony versus Harris versus White, I'm uh, Michelle all day. All right, Dave. Well, hey, Dave. I think I think it was another good cast, man. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. We were a little bit. I think we were a little bit more. You know, let our passions get the debate going a little bit. Um, I think we had some good mix. I was enjoyed getting the stat or the uh, my what's my stat off the uh, off the ground. I was really <laughs> glad we could uh, shout out to all people who have been supporting us in our in our uh, podcasting. Um, so yeah, I, I had a lot of fun. It was fun to just uh, kind of you know go head to head again this week. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. All right. We'll probably have more head-to-head next week. Uh, I hope everyone had a good time. Good luck in your drafts. Uh, you can check us out on Twitter. I am FF underscore Banterman. And Dave, who are you? I am uh, FF underscore Spaceman. And uh, you can check out the podcast at, at Tale of Two Rivals. Um, all spelled out. So, All right. Well, I am Todd Foster, your go-with-your-gut host. <laughs> and I'm your uh, stat nerd, Excel spreadsheet kind of guy, Dave Wright. And I'll see you guys later. Happy drafting, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>